Matthew chapter 24, 23, look at verse 27 and verse 28. Jesus says here, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Now Jesus shares something very similar in Luke chapter 11, verse 44. And if you have your place to look there, we'll spend most of our time in chapter 23 of Matthew. But I want you to notice the difference in the two that he says here in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 11. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are as graves which appear not, and the men that walk over them are not aware of them. Now, I want to just talk about those tombs for just a few minutes this morning. One you'll find is that it's unnoticed. The other one is where I want to gather my title from, Matthew chapter 23, the whited sepulchers, the whited sepulchers. I want to tell you the reason why he's talking about it, give you the custom behind it, and then share with you the condemnation that falls in line with it. Father, we thank you for the many blessings of life, and we thank you for this opportunity you've given us to speak here at Ambassador. And Lord, we thank you for this college and what it stands for. We thank you for the administration. We thank you for the teachers. But Lord, I thank you most of all that you're honored and glorified from this place. Now, Lord, I pray will you speak to our hearts and move in a special way. Now, Lord, I ask you that I would say only the things that you want me to say, and I would refrain from the things that I might want to say this morning, that you would receive all the glory, the honor, and the praise. For it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, I, I look around this room this morning, I see a lot of teachers, but you think about Jesus, Jesus is the master teacher. And when Jesus was teaching, often he'd, he would use object lessons, and here he's using an object lesson. The object lesson is the sepulcher, it is the tomb. And we'll look at that tomb in just a minute. If you'll notice in both of these parables, they both focus on the cleaning or the revealing of the tombs. And both times it it has to do with corruption of man. Both a whited sepulcher tomb and an unwhitewashed tomb illustrates corruption of man. The first thing I want you to see is the circumstance behind in which this is written. Look at chapter 1 of Matthew chapter 23. He says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to the disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat, and all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But notice what he says. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers." But all their works they do for to be seen of men. And they make broad, they make broad their... He was talking about the uh, hillbilly thing. I struggle with English. So if you're an English teacher, I struggle with this. This is one word I've struggled with, uh, phylacteries. And enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms and feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets, and to be called of of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Now, I want you to notice something Jesus says about them in verse 5. Notice the word all. 
but all their works they do to be seen of men. We have a Christian school at our church, and there's something I want to just share with you, a bird on my heart that I'm seeing. I'm seeing ones that are wanting to be part of a Christian school all because of the struggles that the public schools are having in this day. I, I see a lot of Christian homes that are coming, sending their children to the school, and they sign a form for us that they attend a, a church. But listening to the children, most of the parents don't attend church hardly anywhere. There's one thing we see, especially among the high school students, they have a head knowledge of the gospel, but don't have a heart knowledge of the gospel. And I'm talking about young people that are in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, some of those in Sunday morning, Sunday night, even Wednesday night. But we're finding again that many are not going to church. What I want to talk to you about this morning in this scripture, we're seeing that the outward side and appearance of these individuals looked all right, but the inside was corrupt. I come this morning in this suit wearing these kind of clothes, but you really don't know the heart that's behind me. You don't really know what's underneath. You know, this is the crowd that you would think that the world should have been able to go to and talk to them. If they needed biblical counseling, these would be the the, the people you would think they could go to for biblical counseling. But yet in their life, they looked good on the outward side, but yet on the inside, they were a miserable mess. And really, they didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ at all. I want you to notice something here in these verses and what Jesus will say to them because really, He exposes uh, their evil heart and He exposes them to the multitude. And Jesus says, really, all these guys, all they're for is just to be seen of men. I want to ask you, why are you really here today? I I know you're here because you have to be, but are you here because you want to be? I hope that you're heading in the ministry because you want to be in the ministry. There's struggles that you face in ministry. You know, I'll just share with you one right off. Just this this past week was actually Saturday night. I got a call and um, it was about 11 o'clock. I had been talking to a young boy back and forth. He attends our church. And his mom and dad are out um, uh, traveling out west. And they send me a text and says, do you mind checking on so-and-so? And I said, well, him and I have been texting back and forth, but I've not got the, the, the response or thought that you have. And, and here's what the text comes back as. He, he is looking for a gun. He's, he's found the gun, but he can't find the clip. So I'm called to a house that's presenting as suicide. Now, coming to church, he looks just like us. He might not wear a suit and tie. He's a little bit different. You can see that. His mom and dad are great Christian people. And so I'm headed to that house and I asked my boy, some of you know my boy Josh. I said, son, I need you to go along with me because I don't know what we're going to encounter when we get there. I made texts beforehand to the parents and I said, I need a code to be able to get in your house if I can't get in, if he doesn't respond. I said, son, I don't know what we're going to see when we get there, but I hope everything's going to be all right. Now, this young boy, he comes to church. He's there at Sunday school. He's there for Sunday morning service. He's there for most of the services. He might look okay on the outside, but the inside, I want to tell you, he's a miserable wreck. I grabbed the gun. I got the gun from him. He gave it to me, and I, I said, where's the clip? He says, I can't find one. I don't have one. We sat down. We talked for a little while. I said, how about you just come home with me for the night? So I brought him to my house and put him up for the night. 
and uh, to where I could look after him. His parents are still away. They're quite a few hours away. And so, but you pray for that family. But what I wanted you to understand is there is many young people, maybe your age or younger, that's finding this is the end. Nobody cares for me. The outward appearance looks good, but the inward side is just a miserable mess. You know, this morning when you got up, you went to a mirror and you looked into that mirror. When you looked into that mirror, what did you see? When you stepped away from that mirror, you probably may have stepped back to that mirror to recorrect something. You may have walked back out of the room and you thought, man, is, is everything all put together? And you go back to that mirror. But have you ever looked in that mirror and you thought, man, I do not like what I see in that mirror. That mirror is not who that person really is. And I wonder, are you really who you are? You know, it's hard to find real, genuine people in this day and time. When I was your age and a little bit younger, I I was really not only a double person, probably triple. The way I was at school was different than the way I was at home. The way I was at home was different than the way I was at church and was different than the way I was on the job. And all I was doing was just trying to fit in. And I was missing the whole big picture. I believe we live, Dr. Beal, in a selfish generation. Not only for young people, but for adults. It's all about us. It's all about what we want. And listen, we're not here about for all about what we want. It's not all about us. It's all about Jesus Christ. When we look into these verses, we find these Pharisees, they wanted to be seen of men. They wanted people to see them, notice them, recognize them. When you look at what Jesus says in this text that we started out with in verse 27, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. You know, it's the praise of the multitude that they wanted. They they wanted to be seen of men. When we were on vacation, I read a book that I don't usually advertise any kind of literature at all. But it was a book that was stated, the title of it is, um, People Are Big and God is Small. And I really began to dive into that book and read through that. And I really come to understand how true that is. Is that in a lot of ways, God is small and people are big. We're afraid of people. We won't do certain things because of people. And our focus is on people instead on God. When when you get in a storm, most of the time we look at the storm, we see how big the storm is, and we fail to realize how big our God is. You know, ones tell us, you've heard this all your life, tell your storm how big your God is. Amen? But so often we look at people and things bigger than what we allow God to be. We find a group of hypocrites, and Jesus is really laying back the curtain and laying it out, and he just calls them hypocrites here, uh, the hypocrites in, in these verses. And Jesus sometimes, we know, repeats himself. He doesn't repeat himself for no, no reason at all. Sometimes us preachers, we'll, we'll use a sermon over again because, really, because we might be lazy and we don't want to study a, a little bit more. 
or because we want to reiterate what's, what's there. We want the other people to hear that message. But in this case of the tombs illustration, Jesus altered these sermons. In one, he speaks of tombs that are whitewashed, but the other one he talks about is not whitewashed. I want you to look at this verse, these verses here for just a moment. And I want to share with you the custom that comes behind this and really how God spoke to my heart in this. The word translated whited in verse 27 is the Greek word kanoa, which means dust or lime. And so the the tombs that were whitewashed were the sepulchers for the poor families that were on the side of the road and they would whitewash those tombs to where they're noticeable, where ones could see them, so they wouldn't stumble over those tombs. These tombs are often whitewashed once a year, and they're whitewashed just before the Passover. Uh, William says, once a year, about the 15th on the month Adar, about the time of the month, March, uh, our March, and a month before the Passover observances was to begin, the Jews used whitewash, would whitewash the tombs and places where corpses were buried. And again, this is around the time of the Passover. In Luke's gospel, it doesn't say anything about whitewashing any tombs. Now, the purpose for this whitewashing, it was not just to clean the tombs. Now, we've got a cemetery at our, at our church, and they're getting kind of grungy, and so we want to go out and we want to pressure wash them and clean them up just for respect for the families. But that's not the purpose of why they're whitewashing these tombs in these verses, not just for, to be clean, there's really a reason behind it. And you find it in Numbers chapter 19. Turn with me, if you will, please, to Numbers chapter 19. The Bible says in verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord hath commanded, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein is no blemish, and upon which never came yoke. And ye shall give her unto Eliezer the priest, that he may bring her forth without the camp, and one shall slay her before his face. And Eliezer the priest shall take of her her blood with his finger and sprinkle of her blood directly before the tabernacle of the congregation seven times. And one shall burn the heifer in his sight. Her skin, her flesh, her blood with her dung shall be burned. And the priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet and cast it into the midst of the burning of the heifer. Then the priest shall wash his clothes and shall bathe his flesh in water And afterward he shall come into the camp, and the priest shall be unclean until the even. And he that burneth her shall wash his clothes in water, and bathe his flesh in water, and shall be unclean until the the even. And a man that is, is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer, and lay them up without the camp in a clean place, and it shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel, For a water of separation, it is a purification for sin. And he that gathereth the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes and be unclean 
until the even. And it shall be unto the children of Israel and unto the stranger that sojourneth among them for a statute forever. He that toucheth the dead body of any man shall be unclean seven days. He shall purify himself with it on the third day and on the seventh day he shall be clean. But, he, but if he purify not himself the third day, then the seventh day he shall not be clean. But whosoever toucheth the dead, the dead body of any man that is dead, and purify not himself, defileth the tabernacle of the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from Israel, because the water of separation was not sprinkled upon him. He shall be unclean. His uncleanness is yet upon him. This is the law. When a man dieth in a tent, all that come into the tent, and all that is in the tent shall be unclean seven days. And even, even and, and every open vessel which hath no covering bound upon it is unclean. And whosoever toucheth one that is slain with a sword in an open field, or a dead body, or a bone of a man, or a, what's the next word? Or grave shall be unclean seven days. So the purpose of the whitewashing of these tombs was so that when they come over for Passover, they would see those graves and they wouldn't come in contact with those graves. And so, But Luke doesn't talk about the whitewashing where they can see. Now I want to share with you the condemnation that's found in Matthew chapter 23. So the custom behind whitewashing them is because of Numbers that we just looked at. But Jesus is telling the religious leaders that they were like these tombs. Now you think about if I was to stand up here this morning and I was just to call you a bunch of hypocrites, and scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, boy, you just turned me completely off. And Jesus has just laid back the curtain and told them just exactly who they are. And then he says this in following, he says, For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of uncleanness. You know, whitewashing indicated corruption. The garnishing of the tomb, while it made the tomb look beautiful, it's still a tomb. You go to a funeral service, you put flowers on the grave, on the, 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 the casket, but you still have a dead body inside. You can put perfume on the casket, put perfume on the the grave, you still have a dead body inside. No, No matter how much you garnish that tomb, you still have a decaying body in that grave. You go to some places and you see this, these big buildings they build and they place them inside them and how fancy they are. You still have a dead body in that tomb. The tomb speaks of death and contamination. The application is that the religious leaders by their outward show of religion was actually given away the fact that they were corrupt inside. They wanted to have good show outwardly. I think many people are that way today. They want to look good on the outside, but yet on the inside, they're very corrupt. You know, I might be able to hide things from my wife for a little while. We've been married right now 29 years, but I want to tell you something before too long. She's going to recognize where I'm not right. 
And if she tries to hide something from me, it, it won't take long before I will recognize that. Listen, young people, I encourage you, be genuine. Be genuine. There's a lot of people that are in hell today because their pride got them there. If we will be genuine and open our hearts to God and realize that person we saw in the mirror this morning might not be somebody who is really, really somebody that we should be. It's not really the person you want to be. There's a change you can make. Can I ask you today, are you here really because mom and dad make you come here? Or are you really here because you want to honor and glorify the Lord? Now I know that some are required to come for one, 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 uh, for one year of college and I think that's a good practice. But I really want your heart to be in the, in the work of the ministry for the Lord. I, I really believe, Dr. Bill, this thing's about to wind up. I really believe it's not long before the Lord returns. We see our world going in such a corrupt way. He was talking about Western Carolina, and boy, Western Carolina is a liberal university. We battle with a university. We battle with Jackson County. Jackson County is one of the most liberal places in North Carolina, and it's just a constant battle. We find the, the, the love for the gays and lesbians is all around us. We, we are in the mountains, but we're like living in the midst of the city. We're living in a wicked place. And our young people are sold up in this. We have young people in our church that's been in church all their life. And when you talk to them about the Bible, they're questioning whether or not the Bible is the Word of God. They're questioning whether or not God is real or not. And their parents just think everything is okay. Listen, we've got to realize that when we look at the person in the mirror, we see that person, we've got to get things right with God. There's many times I have walked out of my house as a young boy, a young teenager and young adult, and the person I saw in the mirror was not the person I liked. And I said, God, help me change that individual. I don't want to be that individual. I don't like what that person's becoming. God, help me to see you for who you are. We find in Matthew 23, verse 5, they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. When they give, they'll sound a trumpet in the synagogues and in the streets to announce their giving. When they pray, They pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may may be seen of men. When they fast, they would use cosmetics to disfigure their faces to make make it look like they were exceptionally devoted in fasting. And I, I I just feel that we don't have genuine people today. I'm really burdened and broken over where we are today in this life. The true man is humble. He knows his own shortcomings. He knows he makes mistakes. He walks humbly before God. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, 
but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within are ye full of hypocrisy and iniquity. I'll go back to that boy I talked about just a minute ago. That young man had been placed in some ministries where they abused him. Christian ministries. Ones that carried a title of loving and serving God. Those ministries now, at least one of them, I think maybe both of them are closed down now. But there's some ungodly things that took place. All because you, you saw the picture, everything looks good, but yet inside it wasn't. Listen, I don't know where your teachers are, your, your professors are today. They might be in the same boat. We find that so many in ministry today are stepping to the wayside because what's matching up behind the pulpit is not matching up in the home. And listen, it all starts with the right foundation. I believe you're getting the right foundation. If there's one person I would know, and I feel like most of the ones in this room are are solid people, but I believe what you see is what you get. I believe Dr. Beal is genuine as as they come. I believe Miss Conley is as genuine as she comes. Your, Your staff might be genuine as you look at them. You can go to them for counsel. But what about you as an individual? Would you say everything today is right between you and the Lord? I would dare dare say that there might be one in this room that if you die, you might not make it into heaven. All the good deeds that you think you're doing and all the things you're trying to keep is not going to get you into heaven. It doesn't matter the financial status. It doesn't matter your climb on the, uh, the, 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 the ladder. It, it doesn't matter where you are uh, um, uh, strategically. It does not matter. It, it just matters if you've trusted Christ or not. It's all about Him. It's not about us. And Jesus is just rolling back the curtain and saying, you need to see your hypocrisy. The outward side looks good, but the inward side is corrupt. You know, in the book of Acts, Paul is recorded by saying, uh, in a similitude as well, about is our faith real or is it nothing but whitewash covering? And how did this whitewashed tomb illustrate the corruption of the religious leaders? Let me just share with you by illustrating the deceptiveness of their corruption. An unwhitewashed tomb you could, could be walked on, thereby the walker of the ceremony would be corrupt and unclean. Men were not aware of the unwhitewashed tombs because the tombs were not seen well unless Whitewashed. They, they say it was one of the beautifulest pictures you'd see of seeing all those whitewashed tombs. These religious leaders were corrupt. They not only made a great outward show of religion, they constantly and subtly deceived the people with the creed and the conduct. 
They, perver- they perverted the law of God from Matthew 23 and verse 14. False religion thrives in deceit. It is the character of Satan to be deceitful. His workers in religion are false apostles, deceitful workers transforming themselves into the angels of light. I guess all I'm asking you today is just be real. Be real. Get rid of all the fake stuff in your life. If you love God, show you love Him. If you're a hypocrite, take your sign down. Let's stand for truth. There are people today dying without Christ. And I think the world has seen people that just put on a show, but they want to they not only hear things, they want to see some action. They want to see people who truly love the Lord Jesus, who really love souls, who want to see people saved, who's more than just talking about it, but it's getting the job done. Can I ask you? Are you pleased with where you are? Are you pleased in who you become? Are you pleased with what's going on in your life? Or would Jesus really call you or call me or call some of the staff a hypocrite? He says in verse 28, and I close. Even so you also outwardly appear righteous unto men. But within, you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchers of the righteous and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Folks, there's a lot of hurting people. A lot of hurting young people. I've never seen such discouraged young people in all my life. And discouraged Christians in all my life. And our young people don't have seen anyone to turn to. And when one's talk about suicide taking their life, really that's just a selfish act. Because I believe everyone in this room, adults, would love to sit down and talk with someone who might be battling with that? You said, preacher, there's nobody in this Christian school that would ever battle with that. Hey, I know a lot of Christians that's taken their life. I left on a Wednesday night, not at Victory, but another church. I got home and I got a call from the neighbor. And it was a, it was a horrifying call. And they said, Pastor, just wanted you to let you know that Bo took his life tonight. I got in the car, turned around, went right back, got to the house. Bo Mincer, he come to me and we sat about right here on this side here on the Sunday morning after the service. And we talked for a good while and really, I didn't realize he was really telling me goodbye. I didn't know what was in his mind. Everything looked good. Everything sounded good. Bo gets in his car, goes home. I go home. Wednesday night, he didn't come Wednesday night. Had service, went back home, got the call, come back. I get to the, to the house. They said, Pastor, he's, they're already at the hospital. They go on to the hospital. 
I headed on to the hospital and got to the hospital. I walked in that room and Terry was in there with her, her parents and they brought the dog that's so close to Bo. And I said, Terry, let's, let's pray. <clears throat> let's pray. I don't want to pray. I don't want to pray. And her, her eyes, she didn't want anything to do with God at that point. Her daddy says, son, we'll kneel and pray together. And we knelt and prayed. I would like to say that Bo Mincer survived that suicidal attempt, but he didn't. He didn't at all. My cousin I used to pick up and bring home as I'd see him on the side of the road, walking down the road and shared the gospel with him many times. His name was Jackson. And I talked to Jackson on the way home and talked to him about his salvation. Jackson, as far as I know, never trusted Christ as his Savior. Jackson took his life at 23 years old, preached his funeral. And all I heard from those that were at the funeral is, when this is all over, we'll go and we'll party it up. We'll drink it up. Listen, hell's no party. Hell's no party. And you have lost loved ones, you have lost friends, you have lost co-workers that need Jesus. And listen, who are they going to hear from? They need to hear from you. God placed you in the place where you live and working in the place where you work to bring Him honor and glory. You're not there really to just... Boost your own bank account. You're there for a mission, a ministry, before you get to wherever you're going. They need you. And I believe God will hold us accountable for those we've worked around and lived with and been around for days and never share the gospel with them. Where is our heart in serving Christ? I got another call and I quit with this one. of a husband and wife that was in a car together and he took his life in front of her. I don't know why. I don't know if the other preacher's been around a lot of suicide. But I'm sharing this with you because there's a lot of hurting adults. but There's a lot of hurting children. We've had some young people in our Christian school that we've read notes from and It's suicidal notes. Listen, I take every note, everything like that very seriously. But there's a root issue in amongst all this. One, they may not be saved at all. You say, well, can a a person who has been born again take their life? That that has, uh, has happened. But there's something messed up in the, the root issue. There's a root issue. There's a root problem you got to get to. And I dare say that there's probably someone in this room that probably has thought about it at some time. I want you to know people care. Jesus cares. Don't rush your life away. Enjoy the college. Enjoy the friendships. Enjoy the fellowship. 
Enjoy yourself. Enjoy life. Some of you, I think, are hurting. And the answer is Jesus. Jesus is still the solution for the drug problem, for the alcohol problem, for the adultery, the pornographic problem. Jesus is still the answer. He's always been the answer and always will be the answer. But we're trying to find help in every other way but Jesus. And I want you to understand, He wants to help you today. I don't know where you are in your relationship with the Lord. Maybe you're satisfied with a person that you look at in the mirror. But if you're not, today would be a good day to get on our knees before the Lord and generally open ourselves up to God and say, God, here, I'm messing up in this area. God, none of the staff, Dr. Beal, no one else in the room knows where I'm at in this, but Lord, here's my sin. I lay it out before you. God, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. You know, the Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful. He's just to forgive us of our sins. And the Bible says He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You're willing to bow before God and say, God, forgive me. Set me free from this. I want to serve you with all my heart.